You're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment on the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, and I traveled to Phoenix, Arizona for the Mayo Clinic's fifth state-of-the-art symposium on hematological malignancies. Joining me today is Tate Shanefelt, a physician and hematologist at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Tate and I are meeting at the fifth state-of-the-art symposium on hematological malignancies in Phoenix, Arizona, sponsored by the Mayo Clinic, and we're talking about his research in the disease CLL, especially using EGCG and curcumin as treatment agents in early CLL. Tate, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you, Bruce. Happy to be here. Tell us a little bit about how you first got the idea to do EGCG research and then bring us sort of up to date on the early research and then we'll talk about what you're doing right now. Right. Well, EGCG is an extract of green tea and has long been proposed to be a health-promoting substance widely used in medical practice in countries in the Eastern Hemisphere. A number of investigators over the last uh, one to two decades have looked at the effects of this EGCG, the predominant extract from green tea, in the laboratory. Folks have tested this for a variety of health uses, including as potentially an agent to either prevent or treat a variety of cancers. Our interest in this molecule arose because its chemical structure shares some similarities to some other chemotherapy agents in development for CLL, or chronic lymphocytic leukemia, that look promising. And based on that, we did some studies in the laboratory culturing leukemia cells from patients with various doses of this green tea extract and reported about four to five years ago that there was evidence that that extract could induce killing of these leukemia cells. What was notable is that it also seemed to specifically target some survival pathways that have been of particular interest to us as ones we believe these leukemia cells use to try and escape the normal process of death that some of our other cells in the body undergo. And so that heightened our interest in it because not only did it seem to have activity, it seemed to affect some specific mechanisms of relevance for this disease. What kind of EGCG are you using? Where do you get it? How is it supplied? And what kinds of clinical work have you done with this? Well, after our initial laboratory studies were published, a number of patients around the world begin using various green tea extracts as a self-remedy for their leukemia, just purchasing things from their nutrition store or over-the-counter tea products. And we became aware initially of a handful of patients in our practice at Mayo Clinic who we had followed for a number of years and had observed steady progression in their lymphomas and CLL who after self-initiation of over-the-counter products, seem to have some regression in their leukemia. Those folks were using a variety of different over-the-counter products in that uh, initial report we published several years ago. We've subsequently gone on to try and test this in a more standardized fashion to try and determine what proportion of patients may benefit from this approach, what dose should folks be using, what are the side effects, and so forth. In that standardized clinical trial, we actually are using a green tea extract 
that is provided to the National Cancer Institute at NIH by a Japanese manufacturer who has a contract with NIH. So in the clinical trials, we're using a very standardized extract where we have a defined dose. The extract is a capsule form of the EGCG and is of a dose that probably is one you couldn't achieve with drinking tea alone because it's probably in excess of 20 to 100 cups of tea a day depending on what dose level you're on in this trial. In that study, what we have done is take folks with a early stage of this particular type of leukemia, CLL, who would normally be observed rather than treated with chemotherapy and have used a daily oral administration of these green tea extract capsules to see if we can induce some regression in their leukemia with the hopes it might stabilize their disease. What type of dose are they taking and what were the results of the early clinical work? In this trial, folks received increasing doses of the agent as we established its tolerability. And so the doses in this trial range from 400 milligrams orally twice per day up to 2 grams orally twice per day. What we presented at the recent American Society of Hematology meeting was the findings in the first 37 patients. That first part of the trial was primarily to establish what dose folks could take and the safety and what types of side effects would be observed. What we found is that the side effects were predominantly quite mild. Folks were able to tolerate this quite well. We got up to the highest dose the study was designed to test, which was the 2 grams twice per day, and folks generally tolerated it well. The initial signs of activity against the leukemia that we measured were primarily regression or reductions in the circulating leukemia cell count, the lymphocyte count, as well as decrease in the size of the lymph nodes. And what we found is that of the initial 37 patients, roughly 40% had a 20% or greater reduction in their lymphocyte count at some point during the treatment. Around 25% had a 30% or greater drop, 14 to 15% had about a 40% drop, and somewhere around 7 to 8% had a 50% or greater drop in their circulating leukemia cell count during the initial six months. Similarly, of the 12 folks who had lymph nodes that could be examined by the physician at the start of the study, somewhere between 8 to 10 of those folks had a 50% or greater reduction in the size of those lymph nodes during treatment. So certainly some encouraging signs that there may be some effects, particularly in one of the early phases of clinical testing, such as this trial, where we're trying to really increase the dose. We did have one patient who met the standard criteria of a partial remission that we would use in our trials of regular chemotherapy also. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. This is the Clinician's Roundtable, and I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Bloom, and I'm with Tate Shanafeld, Assistant Professor of Medicine, Department of Hematology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and we are talking about his work with EGCG and other herbal remedies in CLL. Dr. Shanafeld, tell me what kinds of side effects people did exhibit and if you were able to give them more of this EGCG, if they could actually ingest more, would you? Probably the single most important side effect that merits monitoring is irritation of the liver. And there have been a number of studies in laboratory animals that suggest that high doses of green tea extracts may cause some liver-related toxicity. And there were even some reports of folks in Canada or Spain who were just taking over-the-counter green tea extracts from their nutrition store for just health promotion purposes, some of whom had fairly severe, although rare, liver 
liver side effects that were possibly related to the green tea extract. We obviously have monitored that very carefully in our trial. We measure liver tests every month for folks on the study. And 40%, or 4 out of 10, did have a mild elevation in their liver enzymes. For those folks, we were able to hold their medicine temporarily. These effects went away, and they were able to resume the medication. So we have not seen any serious liver injury, but it does appear that it's common for folks to have a mild degree of irritation that one wonders in very large series of patients if occasionally it could be quite serious. So we do recommend even for folks who might be using this over-the-counter of their own initiative that their physician should be aware of it and that at least periodic, probably monthly or every one to two month testing of liver enzymes should be performed. In your initial study of these 37 patients, did you find patients whose CLL got worse, and was that sort of out of the ordinary or unexpected? We did not see anybody who seemed to have an acceleration in the trajectory of their CLL during treatment. Some patients did have an increase in leukemia cell counts that would be typical during their treatment, but there was nothing to suggest things were worsening. You know, our next step in this effort is to look at treating a larger group of patients with this high dose that we've established to be tolerable in this part one of the study in the second phase of the study, which is now ongoing at Mayo Clinic in Rochester. Now, we also talked about another botanical medicine, curcumin. Tell us about that and where it fits in and some of your interesting observations in trying to use both of these at the same time. Well, this is a different herbal remedy that's an extract of a a red pepper and uh, has been tested by, again, a number of scientists uh, for a variety of different conditions. There had been some work by other labs in other lymphomas, other types of blood cancer, and quite recently in CLL, suggesting it may be able to induce some killing of leukemia cells in the test tube. We had also been interested in that medication because in some of the testing of this agent against other human cancers, it once again was inhibiting some of these same biologic survival pathways that we know are important in chronic lymphocytic leukemia. One in particular is the STAT3 pathway that we have been interested in. And so based on some of that background information, we also have been testing this as a treatment for CLL in laboratory experiments. We also find, and also recently reported at the National Hematology Meeting, that it does induce killing of these leukemia cells. It does inhibit specifically some of these pathways of known importance in CLL, and that it may have the ability to combine with EGCG in a manner that magnifies the effects of the two agents. So, That is an area where we're interested in moving forward, whether the combination of those two medications or other combinations of these agents with standard treatments for CLL might enhance their effectiveness. When you use the two together, they both interact with the same STAT3 pathway. Is there a reason to give them on a particular dosing schedule that makes sense for the patient? We've tried to explore that a little bit in the laboratory. I don't know that there's any clinical information, but one of the things that was quite interesting is that while both of these medications on their own would induce the death of leukemia cells in the test tube, when we combined them at the same time, there appeared to be a less than additive effect of the combination in a majority of patients, which was somewhat surprising since they both worked on their own and suggested that they may antagonize one another. And as you said, there is perhaps some biologic rationale for that as one agent might be downregulating 
being the target of the second agent. We followed up those experiments by looking at sequential administration, saying they both work on their own and seem to not work as well at the same time, so why don't we give one first and then the second? So we did those experiments in the test tube, looking at both curcumin first and then EGCG as well as the reverse sequence. And what was quite surprising is that not only did the sequencing experiments seem to be a better way to administer the combination than simultaneous dosing, but that the sequence mattered. And in particular, giving the curcumin first in the test tube seemed to profoundly increase killing when it was followed by EGCG rather than the reverse sequence. Again, based on test tube experiments, I think quite an interesting result. And these type of experiments, as they continue, might be able to help inform the design in which we take these medications into clinical trials. There's lots going on in hematological malignancies. My guest has been Dr. Tate Shanafelt, Assistant Professor of Medicine in the Department of Hematology at the Rochester campus of the Mayo Clinic. And we've been talking about his work with CLL, especially with early investigation of some herbal remedies. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, where you can find our new on-demand and podcast features that will allow you access to our entire program library. And thank you for listening.